Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, good morning, everybody. It is great to see all of you here this morning, and I've got to admit, those words have particular meaning for me, because today, all of our staff team is on vacation. Except Pastor Life, who texted me early this morning that he was not feeling well. He was under the weather. So I'm all you've got today. This is it, right? This is it. But you're here, and your presence is here, and you brought your body here this morning, and that's important because I have people say to me, for illegitimate reasons sometimes, you know, sorry I can't be there today, but I'll be with you in spirit. I don't like speaking to a room full of spirits, but I love bodies, Right, I love speaking to bodies, and that's really the theme that we're in here right now uh, at our church called Grace Anatomy. We're talking about the body of Christ. Now, most of you know that I just returned from Egypt, where I spent um, eight days in country, actually working with training uh, young emerging leaders. I met with about 200 leaders over a five-day conference uh, doing training. It was really a highlight for me. It was People said, what was the highlight of your trip to Egypt? That was by far the greatest part of it. But while I was there, I knew that I had to see one of the seven uh, wonders of the ancient world. In fact, it's the only remaining wonder of the ancient world, the pyramids of Giza. And it was spectacular seeing these three pyramids. There's 80 throughout the country, but these are the largest, and the largest one is there in Giza. Um, and it was a spectacular, spectacular experience. But I've got to tell you this morning that you don't have to travel to Egypt to see a wonder in the world. You don't have to even leave the shores of North America, to see a wonder. You don't have to leave the United States. You don't have to leave the state of Ohio to see a wonder. You don't have to go beyond Greene County. You don't have to go beyond the Miami Valley. You don't have to go beyond your community. In fact, you don't even need to walk outside of your house to see a wonder. You don't have to leave your skin. Your body is wonderfully made. That's what the psalmist says. Psalm 139, the psalmist said, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I want you to think about that for a minute. Your body is one of the great wonders of the world. Now, I was going to say your body is a wonderland, but I wasn't sure where that was going to go this morning. So I'm going to stick to wonder today. Your body's a wonder. Have you ever stopped to consider how God created the human body? Your body is comprised of nine dynamic systems that are all functioning in almost seamless and perfect harmony with one another. And you don't even tell it to do it. When was the last time you told your lungs to expand and collapse? They just do it. When was the last time you reminded your heart to beat. It just does it because it's the way God created you. And speaking of your skin, I don't know about you, but I take my skin for granted. I don't appreciate the largest organ in my body. 
But think about your skin and what it does. It covers and it protects every other organ and every other system from bacteria getting inside of your body to create infection. So the next time you're feeling grateful about your health, don't forget to say thank you to your skin because God created our bodies wonderfully. Now here's the deal. A healthy body naturally does what it's been designed to do. And I would submit to you this morning that a healthy church supernaturally does what it's been designed to do. So in this series, we've been focusing on a catalyst verse found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, that says, all of you together are Christ's body. I am not Christ's body, and you are not Christ's body. But when we gather together, when we come together, we form the body of Christ. Just like your person, the real you, has a physical presence and manifestation through your body. The body of Christ is the physical manifestation and demonstration of Christ here on this earth. People experience God, they experience God's power through the functioning in a healthy way of the body of Christ. So all of you together are Christ's body, and I love this part, and each of you is part of it. Here's what that tells me. God didn't leave anyone out. God wanted you, so he chose you to be part of his body. And every single one of us get to be a part of the body of Christ. My part is not more important than your part. What I do is not more significant than what God has asked you to do. And here's the deal. When every part, when each part does its part, the whole body benefits. But when each part fails to do its part, the whole body suffers and struggles. And what God wants us to do is he wants us to function as a body the way that he designed it. So this morning, we're going to continue building on this theme of the body and how the body particularly grows. And this morning, I want to focus on how the body matures. Because God has designed our physical bodies to grow and to grow up. He has also designed the body of Christ to grow and to grow up. Both of those matter. And so this morning, we're going to return to a book we've been in the last couple of weeks, the book of Ephesians. And listen, I love the book of Ephesians for lots of reasons. But one of the reasons I really love and appreciate the book of Ephesians is I love its focus on the church as the body of Christ and particularly how God cares for and is concerned about his body. He loves his church more than anybody in the world loves the church. Nobody cares more and is concerned more for the body of Christ than Christ is. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 29 and 30 say this, No one hates his own body, but lovingly cares for it, just as Christ cares for his body, the church, of which we are all parts. 
because we care about our body, we care for our body, right? We, we feed our body, we nourish our body because we care about it. Some of us nourish it more than others, but we all feed and care for our body because we care about it. We, we adorn our body with clothing and jewelry that will make our body and our skin color and our eye color be at its very best. And I don't do that, but ladies do that, right? We're all worried about what's going to be the best combination to adorn our bodies. We actually provide for the physical, medical needs that we have. Why do we do that? Because we care well for a body. We see it as a steward of what God has graced us with and gifted us with. Because we care about our bodies, we care for it. We actually take care of the hygiene needs of our body, like brushing our teeth and showering. And you did brush your teeth and shower this morning, right? Because we love our bodies, we care for them, we do those things. The Bible says God, Christ, does the same thing for his body. He's concerned about it. He cares for it. I love the way the Passion Translation captures this verse. It says, no one abuses his own body but pampers it. Moment of confession this morning. I am a bath and body works guy. Okay? I'm just going to admit it. I love scrunchies. I love body washes. I love hand lotions. I love fragrances. I love scented candles. I love pillow sprays. I love spas. I love getting a good massage from time to time. Come on, be honest. Don't we enjoy, all of us, through the food we eat, through what we do, we just love at times pampering our body. And I love what the Bible says. That's exactly what Christ does for his church. He serves and he satisfies us as members of his body. That blows my mind. How could God, through Jesus Christ, who had done so much to give his life for us, still care so deeply that it's not about him being served, but it's about him serving his body. It's about him making sure that we are fulfilled and filled up to overflowing. That's why when we gather here at Grace Crossing Church, we pray that our tanks get filled, not just emotionally and spiritually, but relationally. Because as we come together as God's body, God wants to fill us with more and more of him. He wants to satisfy us. He wants to empower us to be the people that he desires us to be. And how does he do that? How does he serve us and satisfy us? Well, one of the ways that I think he does that is that he showers us with his gifts. There are some tremendous gifts the Bible talks about that God has showered on his church. They are not ours, they are his. But God gives them so freely because he loves his body, the church. And so he wants to make sure that we have been empowered and supplied with everything that we need. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 7, and we'll spend the remainder of our time in this chapter, verses 7 through 16. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, God's grace for us is immeasurable but you can measure God's gifts. 
You can measure the gifts that Christ has given to every person because there are things that I have not been gifted in that you have been gifted in. There are things that you do naturally that I could never do no matter how hard that I try. Our band from time to time will kind of joke with me that I need to get up some Sunday and I need to sing a song. You do not want me to get up and sing a song. I don't play an instrument. That is not my wheelhouse. It's not how I operate. But I stand there week in and week out, and I watch this band of humble servants with no prima donnas who are actually using their gifts and talents because they love the body of Christ. And I'm humbled to watch it. Because they're doing it for God's kingdom. And because they do what they do, we can do, and we can experience what we experience here at Grace Crossing Church. We have 150 people that serve in various capacities of Grace Crossing Church. And I've often thought, can you imagine what it would be like if they didn't do their jobs? This morning, I wouldn't be here. I'd be in the nursery taking care of kids. I'd be preparing the coffee. I'd be making sure that people are greeted when they walk in. I'll be making sure that everybody gets communion when it's time for communion here in a few moments. But because those people do their part, I can do my part. But when we don't carry our part, the whole body suffers. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And I want you to think about this this morning. When you love somebody, when you care deeply about somebody, when, you, when, you, when you're concerned for them, don't you just love to lavish gifts on them? Isn't it fun to give gifts to people that you care about? So in our family, July is... Christmas time. We got three kids. All their birthdays are in July, 16 days apart. Don't ask me how we planned that. God just did it, okay? I don't really know how it happened. We got two grandkids, birthdays in July. We have extended family who have birthdays in July. So July for us is like Christmas time. Like we're buying gifts. We're giving gifts. And yet we find joy in doing it. Why? Because these are people we care about. These are people we love, and you love to lavish gifts on those that you care about. So we're grateful to do it. Well, here at Grace Crossing Church, we are in right now, beginning this Sunday, what we're calling for the next two weeks, Christmas in July. Last year, we were part of a, an organization and a missional outreach called Operation Christmas Child, part of Samaritan's Purse. And we last year were able to give away over 200 boxes, shoe boxes to kids all around the world. And we're going to do it again this year. And we're going to believe God for even more impact. I want you to take a look at our video. I've never been out of the country, but because of Operation Christmas Child, I am an international missionary. You feel like you're doing your job or what God has called you to do when you see that unity of other people fellow believers coming together in one common cause. Knowing that we're making a difference, knowing that we get to make a global difference together, and it unites the local churches together, both in the states and internationally. At the same time, it's getting people locally to think globally. It's a simple way for people to think about the world, and not just think about it, but actually do something. Every single shoebox is a child who's meeting Christ. And just remembering the importance of every box and really just leaving the rest of it to God. 
the work of Operation Christmas Child is having quite a big impact. Jesus loves you. A box is not just a gift. In the hands of the local pastors, these boxes can be used as a tool to touch a whole community. They never seen that someone care for them, someone give for them. When I see a smile face of a children, just like inspiring me to serve ministry. Getting these gift boxes, but they also get the greatest gift booklet that they can take home and read that Jesus is the greatest gift of all. From the inside, I want to say thank you for OCC, thank you for a beautiful time. So, thank you so much. Uh, we intentionally invest a lot of time in training our team in order to make sure that the gospel is clearly communicated throughout our outreach events and the greatest journey classroom. We want to disciple to make a, a stronger foundation of empowering the new generation. They know the story of God and they can tell others by using the books. Every shoebox is really the beginning of the journey of evangelism and discipleship and that leads into multiplication and the multiplication of lives, the multiplication of churches, really impact on communities and a ripple effect around the world. You begin the process as you pack a shoebox. We, we value shoebox, and we thank you for the, the hand who packs the box. We're part of a team, and we're partners in the gospel through Operation Christmas Child and through Samaritan's Purse. Isn't that a cool ministry? Um, I love the first part of that interview as Bobby comes this morning. I love the first part of that because he said, I've never left the country. I've never traveled abroad. But through Operation Christmas Child, I get to make an impact around the globe. And that's what we get to do here at Grace Crossing Church through this. Bobby, tell us about how people can get involved and be a part of this ministry. You probably saw when you came in, we have a table with boxes. I did have a beautiful display, but the early service wiped me out. So I ran home and got more boxes. Yours are not going to be folded, but they're still available for you. And we have more supplies coming in this week. So we have plenty of boxes and, and all the stuff you need when you come in. On your box, it tells you exactly how to fold it and what to do with it. And then online, you can get any information you want. Like if you want to track your box, you can do that. You just follow the information that it gives you online. And you would still turn it into us, but you would get your label and you would track it online. This year, the other thing is, there's two important things. One is absolutely no liquids, no candy. You used to be able to do candy and stuff. You cannot do that anymore. Uh, and absolutely no, no liquids, and that includes toothpaste, lotion, even like balls that have liquid in them. You can't do that. So just keep those things in mind. And also they ask for a $9 donation in the box to help with the cost. But please don't not do a box for because you don't have that $9. That We don't want you to do that. Do your box. A lot of people give extra donations and it'll be taken care of. So last year we were really excited because our goal was 75 boxes and we had over 200. So this year I went ahead and bought 200 boxes. So let's see what you guys can do with that. Good. And co collection? 
here we is can, going yeah, to be? Yeah, I can collect it here. The last day, though, is going to be early this year. And so September 16th mm -hmm. is the will be the final collection day. But if you get your box today and get it filled because everything's on sale at Walmart for school supplies and stuff, then you can bring it anytime. We'll, we'll have our little table out there, and we'll take the boxes anytime between now and the 16th. All right, let's express appreciation to Bobby. Thank you so much for doing that. And, and, and if you're like me and you are instructionally challenged about how to fold things, you can see Bobby and she'll help you get your box folded, okay? So Christ, through his immeasurable grace, gives us these measurable gifts, things that we, they're tangible, we can identify them, we can recognize gifts that are not ours but are others. And he goes on to say this in verse number eight. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to people. Now you'll notice that that is in quotations. What Paul is doing there is Paul is actually taking a verse of Scripture from the Hebrew Bible. He's taking a verse from Psalm 68, verse 18, that says almost the identical thing. When you ascended to the heights, prophetically about Christ, you, Christ, led a crowd of captives. You received gifts from the people, even from those who rebelled against you. Now, the psalmist here is writing, and he's using a word picture of something that happened in ancient times whenever a, a king or a country would overthrow another country. So when, when, when the warriors would come back from battle, they would actually come with a few of the dignitaries, perhaps even the king or the leader of that other country, shackled and in bondage. And they would take them and parade them down the city streets. And on the back of the chariot was their king, who was riding triumphantly, victoriously through the streets. And the, the crowds and the citizens would line the streets. And out of obligation, they would be throwing gifts toward that chariot to say, thank you, we worship you, we adore you, you have protected our country, you have given us more spoils to enjoy, we become stronger. And Paul the Apostle, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, takes this verse, but he slightly changes it. Let me reread this, and then I want to reread Ephesians 4.8. When you ascended to the heights, you led a crowd of captives. You received gifts from the people, even from those who rebelled against you. Now let's go back and read. Ephesians 4.8, that is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to people. Do you notice the difference? Paul the apostle here does not say he received gifts. He says when Jesus was triumphant and he resurrected, when he conquered death, hell, and the grave, he led out of captivity, not into captivity, out of captivity all of the matriarchs and patriarchs of the faith who were waiting for the coming Messiah, the first human that would enter the presence of God, and they were going to be ushered in by him. But he doesn't receive gifts. Rather, what he does is he gives them. He gives gifts to his church. He blesses his church, his body, with gifts of kindness. So at the recommendation of a friend, Kelly and I have begun to uh, watch a show, a program, a documentary on Netflix called The Kindness Diaries. 
The Kindness Diaries is the story about a man who began his journey in Los Angeles. He alone with his motorcycle on a motorcycle called Kindness One. And he's traveling all around the world from his point of origin. And he's made his way, as far as we've gotten, he's made his way now all the way to the East Coast. He's boarded a cargo ship, he and his motorcycle. They've landed in Europe. He's now made his way all the way to India. And he's doing his trip without spending a single dollar. He's living 100% on the kindness and the generosity of strangers. So he, when he arrives to a new city, to his next place of origin, he stops there and he goes up to a stranger and he briefly tells his story and he says, would you give me a meal? Would you open your home and let me sleep in your home tonight? And you can imagine the number of people that reject him. But every so often he's going to find somebody who has a kind heart, somebody that's going to give him a meal, somebody that will open their home to him. And here's the kicker of the show, what they don't recognize when they open their heart to this guy in kindness, they don't recognize he's a self-made millionaire. He's a man of means who is just waiting for an extraordinary random act of kindness so that he can turn around and bless them. And every single episode ends with Leon sitting with somebody who needed something that would change their life. And he has the privilege of saying, I know that you don't know this, but I want to give a gift to you. When I think of the Bible, I think it's the kindness diaries. When I think of God's gifts, I think it's the kindness diaries. It's God's way of saying, I want to bless you. I want to give to you. I want to gift you so that you can become healthier and stronger and more mature so that you can grow up and you can grow. And Paul goes on to tell us some of those gifts. Verses 11 and 12. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. If I were going to give you a big idea for today's talk, here it is. God gives gifts to his church so that his church becomes a gift to others. God gives gifts to his church so that his church becomes a gift. And what are these gifts that God gave? The Bible says there are five leadership gifts that God gave to the church to help it grow, to help the body become more mature, to help the body go deeper so that it could go broader, so that it could expand, so that it could have more influence. I don't want you to think about these leadership roles as offices, but rather influences. These are influence gifts. These are not head gifts. There is one head According to the Bible, the head of the church is Jesus Christ. There's one head. And so how do you explain these gifts? Well, the best way that I can flesh it out is to use the five fingers on my hand. 
I think our fingers are a great illustration of this, these five-fold ministry or influence gifts that God has blessed the church with and gifted his church with. Why the hand? Why the fingers? Because you realize your fingers are the only part of your body that can touch every other part. There's no other part of your body that can touch every part but your fingers can. And these gifts are designed and intended by God to touch and impact and influence every part of his body. So let me explain them. I would say I would use the thumb to represent the apostle. The thumb is the only finger that can touch all the others. It's the only one that has that kind of global influence and global impact at a larger level. It's more than being in a local church of influence. It's about touching and impacting the body of Christ through the given leadership that God has given to the church. When I think of the thumb, it's the strongest finger. It makes an imprint that will last. And then there's the prophet. This finger is the pointing finger. This is the finger that gives direction. This is the finger that gives guidance when it's needed. And this particular finger is an important one, an important gift of leadership God has given for people who can, according to Scripture, strengthen and comfort and encourage the body of Christ through that gift. And then there's the evangelist. It's the middle finger. But I don't want to go there. It's actually the longest finger. So when you look at your hand, your middle finger is the longest finger, which means it has the greatest reach. When I think of the evangelist, I think of Billy Graham, an evangelist who served his country, this country, for an entire century and went recently to be with the Christ that he served. He influenced millions around the world and is an evangelist. And you'll notice that particular finger, too, is in the middle of all the others because it needs the strength and support of all the others. It can tend to run in its own track, but it needs help and strength to stay centered. The fourth finger, the pastor. It's the ring finger. Because the pastoral role is a role about being married to the body. It's about making a commitment that helps the body to grow in the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And so that particular part of the hand is very, very important. And then you've got the teacher, the pinky, the one that's often most overlooked and most neglected, but is so important in the discipleship and the equipping of the body. Sometimes we think of the pastor-teacher being together. And that's not always the case, but sometimes it is. Not every pastor is a gifted teacher. Not every teacher is a gifted pastor. But sometimes you find that combination being together. In fact, sometimes you find these roles interchanging as, as a leader grows and develops within an organization. And here's the point. God has uniquely gifted his body with this fivefold influence. And what's the purpose of it? The Bible says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Please hear what I'm about to say. 
The responsibility of the leadership of the body of Christ is to build God's people so that God's people can build the church. Please do not miss that. We live in a culture today where some people tend to believe that it is the professional people who are responsible to actually build the church. That's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that those who God has called to leadership influence are to be very intentional about building up and equipping God's people so that God's people can do what they've been designed to do. And that's build the church. And so we work in tandem with one another. We support one another because the only way to accomplish what God desires is to take the gifts that he's given to the church and then become the gift. The church become the gift that God desires it to be. And what's the result of it? Well, Paul goes on to tell us in verses 13 and 14. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, then we will no longer be immature like children. So what do immature children do? Well, immature children go, I don't want to make my bed. I don't want to be responsible. I I don't want to eat that. I don't want to stop playing so that I have to do my homework. I don't want to clean up my toys. There are things that we do when we are children that is immature, and we basically say, I'm not going to be responsible. And what Paul is suggesting here is that as the body of Christ does what it's been designed to do, it becomes mature. It begins to take ownership and responsibility for what it understands is theirs, rather than saying it's somebody else's. God's greatest heart for church, for his body, It's church health and maturity. Because when we become better and healthier, we become bigger and stronger and more effective. And that's got to be the focus, is getting healthier and more mature. He concludes by saying this in verses 15 and 16. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will all grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, from Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I could take that final verse, verse 16, and I could do a seven-week message. Because in that particular verse, just that last statement, There are seven earmarks, seven ways that you can measure a mature church. And here are the words I want you to see. From him, the whole body is first of all joined. It's joined. It's also held together. We're not just together in one place. We are together in one mind in one heart, in one vision, in one purpose. By every supporting ligament, healthy churches are supportive. Healthy bodies carry their responsibility of supporting with their time and their talents 
and their treasures. A healthy church and body is grows. It's growing. It's building. It's loving. And it's working. Those seven words, those seven earmarks, are ways that we can identify and measure our level of health and maturity. And here's the reality. Jesus did not die on the cross for an anemic, weak body. Jesus gave his life because he had a vision for a strong, vibrant, healthy body of Christ. When you become a follower of Jesus, you become a member of God's family, and you become part of God's universal body. And we here form a local body called Grace Crossing Church, a place where every single person matters and where every single gift can be measured and can be leveraged for the work of God's kingdom. This morning, we're going to take our final moments to recognize the Lord's body. Because this is another way through communion that we recognize the strength of our body by discerning appropriately the body of Christ. And so we're going to prepare communion elements. And as we do, we're going to distribute those to all of us. Now, here's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that we are called, when we gather together, that we are called to remember what he did for us. To never forget. And I'm going to tell you this morning that I think there are two nutrients that every healthy body needs. You know, there's an old adage that we are what we eat. I believe that to be true. You put junk food in your body, your body will begin to respond accordingly. You'll get sluggish, you'll be tired, you'll lack energy. But you put good nutrients, good health in your body, your body feels energized. Your body wants more of the good because you're filling it with the good. And I think to be a healthy body, spiritually speaking, there are two nutrients that we need in our diet. We've got to have a steady diet of these two things to stay healthy and continue to be the body God wants us to be. And those two nutrients are faith and forgiveness. We need a steady diet of faith and we need a steady diet of forgiveness. And that's what communion gives us. It is a reminder that we place our faith when we gather together and we take these elements. We are placing our faith and reaffirming our faith in the Son of the living God. And we are also receiving the forgiveness that he's afforded to us through his sacrificial death on the cross. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.